Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different jobs, different lives, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, coming to you with news that Star Trek Four is deader than a dormouse. Wait, is that right? Is that how that works? It's dead, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Thoroughly I'm dead. Camp, man, and... I told you it was dead. You interrupted me, you son of a bitch. Yep, my pod, my bad. I'm DT Cavman, and I have not yet decided to accept your apology. This is weird. We're 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 recording without video right now, and I can't I can't cue off of you visually, and I'm I'm a little thrown off. <laughs> All right, fine. I accept your apology. Or just yeah, well, the well, yeah, that's what I'm known for. Wine and cheese. Mostly cheese. Uh, a lot of wine. And... <laughs> oh, merd. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well done. Um, so Star Trek 4 is dead. I've got one more breaking news story for you. You ready before we jump into our topic? Go ahead. Real fast. I know you're not you're not you're not in the mood for my antics tonight. I get it. Um, MCU's Armor Wars for Disney Plus series. Guess what? It's now becoming a movie. Canceled. Uh, that, no. Yeah, it's canceled it's for a movie. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Well, that's that's the that's the title that I saw here. It was a trolling title. So I'm like, what? They had a whole lot going for that. I was looking forward to Armor Wars. Me too. Yes, I I saw a similar one. There's also rumors that the MCU is looking at bringing Harrison Ford in as a new Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, shit. That'd be great. I'd say bring in Tommy Lee Jones, but we already wasted him in Captain America, the first Avenger. I don't think we wasted him. He got to be Tommy Lee Jones. He did get to be Tommy Lee Jones, the best Tommy Lee Jones there is. Has he been in anything else since? He's done other shit. That was 2010 or 11. 11. Another shit. Marvel's Armor War to be developed as a movie, abandoning the Disney Plus series route. Maybe they just thought that there wasn't going to be enough. That's exactly what I'm thinking. And don't, um, also, they're also looking to do Ironheart, so wouldn't surprise me mm, if that might have a have a bearing on it. But let me just say, what you need to do today, completely mm-hmm. separate from, have you finished Lower Decks season two? I'm in the middle of it. Finish it quick. And start you saw the DS9 episodes uh, came out today. DS9 episode today. Uh, how was it? Was it good? Well, for starters, the dig- the uh, animated rendering of the station and the wormhole, gorgeous. Yeah, I bet. And two prominent cast members were featured guest stars on the show. Not that was Cameo. Quark and a Navisitor. 
Yes, it was Armin Shimmerman and uh, Visitor. Yes, okay. So you... <laughs> I was just... That's just logic. Huh? That's just logic. I didn't know. Oh, really? Yeah, I had no idea. And you uh, don't worry, you didn't spoil anything for me. I just, I assumed that they would be there anyway. Wow, you pinned it right on the head. I kind yeah, of I did. Gotten maybe. Alexander Sadig is not shy about doing, you know, animated work or or other or small roles. So kind of thought you might have gotten a Bashir. Um, and of course, they both sound a little older. <laughs> yeah. But their um, their animated forms look good. They look very accurate and damn it if it just wasn't a warm and fuzzy feeling the whole damn time <laughs> it was a good episode it was fun they tied it back to things from deep space nine well they tie everything back to something but i understand what you're saying no, uh, but it's like a it's it pushes deep space nine stories forward not not a oh. call, like a callback not as in like a not like an Easter egg or a quick little snippet. It's actually like a full on continuation. Yeah, it's like following some stuff. That's all I want in Star Trek, by the way. I just want us to move forward. That's all I want. When does this take place again? The lower decks like a year or two after Nemesis. OK. All right, so Cisco had left in three years prior to Nemesis. So we're like at the five-year mark of him being with the Prophets then. Yeah, basically. Five, six years. Kira's in charge of the station. That mm -hmm. doesn't tell anything about the plot. Just if you... I didn't know who was going to be on just because I hadn't seen any episode-specific trailers, but damn it. Did it not look good in the did in the rendering of the promenade and the, <laughs> it, it was like somebody just turned it into Deep Space Nine the animated series. Okay, they, they all right, I, I'm working on it. The I will say this: the episode was they didn't just turn it all over to Deep Space Nine. The episode took place on Deep Space Nine, and the two guest actors had parts to play in the plot, not just glorified cameos. So. Okay, good. I like that. But they also didn't sideline the Cerritos crew for no. just, you know, Deep Space Nine fan service. No, no. I, I'm going to go ahead and say this was pretty well done. Okay. I, uh... Kind of what we want from the Cerritos. Having the, uh, or from Lower Decks, you have the ability to go from corner of the Star Trek universe to corner of the Star Trek universe. You know, some of the, you, you can bring some of the actors in. It doesn't matter if they've aged a ton so that they no. don't look like they belong a year or two or three years after their series, even though it's like 20 years since most of them were live action. Shut you your mouth. Piece. No, I'm serious, man. It's, it is I know, I know. <laughs> the non-visitor, who still looks amazing and 
still sounds the same. You know, if you watch what you left behind, she's still. I mean, you just hear Kira radiating from her when she's talking, although she's mostly gray now. I mean, but hearing that voice come out of a very good likeness of her character animated was just excellent. Yeah. Did she have like the short pixie cut in in the in this episode, or did they grow it's it out a little bit longer? No, it it's basically what she looked like at the end of Deep Space Nine. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. I'm at the point where it's I'm a little bit beyond the episode where Tom Paris guest starred in season two. That's a good one. That was fun. that was a decent one. That was a fun that's one. Really, I, so I think that's like four or five. Similar. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I did appreciate the idea that the Titan is a direct reflection of who Riker is as a personality, just constantly on the edge of his seat, like yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the Enterprise, which is a reflection of Picard, where they 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 play quartets, and <laughs> every mission the Titan goes on is is life or death, and and um, that's just Riker. Life or death or jazz. Yeah, life, death, or jazz. That's it. So I, I, I thought that was a neat little little send up. Again, uh, I still treat Lower Decks as a as an as a um homage to Star Trek or like an honorarium for Star Trek. I don't know. If you were to watch this episode, it would really feel like a continuation of the franchise. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, man, no. Th- this particular episode felt canon i don't know they just well tied it back to some things hell it also gives them keep watching but it subtly ties into a, a background easter egg from picard season one. Oh god right. okay that that'll be that'll be my assignment then but it, it it's just cool and enjoying it. And you know, speaking of this Deep Space Nine episode, my God, is this the absolute perfect segue? I mentioned that the episode on Deep Space Nine for this week's Lower Decks, not exactly directly, you know, responded to episodes but it definitely like some plot threads from like the middle of deep space nine that got kind of overwhelmed by the dominion war it actually picked Mm -hmm. up uh, nothing major but like it's almost like a a sequel to a couple of episodes of deep space nine so to speak and it, it 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 it's the entire episode is dealing with trying to get back to normal post Dominion War and growing. So, God, you one would think that at this point they'd be dealing with all of that. I mean, I mean, the Dominion War devastated Starfleet. It did. So, I mean, at some point you have to let them get back on their feet, so to speak, kind of rebuild before they can start going back out and doing the things that the, we all want, you know, that we all expected of Star Trek. Strange new worlds, mm-hmm. 
seek out new life and new civilization to boldly go and probably sleep with someone who no one has seen before. Because that happens <laughs> to a lot of people in Star Trek. It wasn't just Captain Kirk riding on the space wing. So. <laughs> the space wing. But. <laughs> this week's topic. Since. You know, I just noticed that this picked up on a couple of not exactly hanging plot threads, but it picked up on unresolved. Well, just no, not just unresolved. Kind of I'm sorry, you're right. Just kind of continued. Yeah, yeah story, continuation. Continued some story a reinforcement. Beats, not a true arc, but story beats that had been brought up in Deep Space Nine, and it was nice. It felt like we were moving forward with established story in spots yes but what we were going to talk about this week is some hanging plot threads that unresolved storylines right unresolved <laughs> storylines is probably better and man are there a lot in sci-fi there are a lot. I'm wondering if we need to put some rules down because as with any subject that I come up with, there could be a lot of takers on it, like we did with uh, horror horror genre in sci-fi or sci-fi episodes that were in a TV show that wasn't sci-fi. You know what I mean? Right. So what do so, you think our provisos are? I, at the very least, we should say that shows that were canceled too early on a cliffhanger are honorable mentions, but not true, not true unresolved plot lines. Like, yeah. This is about, and we can talk about those at the end at the, uh, you know, for fun, but this is about a fully resolved TV show that had its full run and canceled on its own like you know they left on their own terms <clears throat> and it's things that happened in the show that we saw once maybe twice and never again even though the implications were it had like a universal shattering um, uh, uh, impact alright give me an example go ahead and, and start Give me your um, very simple, very easy. Mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation's episode "Conspiracy." Oh, yes, and there's been so much information <laughs> about maybe that possibly this was a way that they were might be introducing the Borg. Has been kind of hinted that that's a tie-in. Mm -hmm. Beta canon novels actually did expand on this, but you're right. I would love to get some more. Um, I would love to see some some continuation of that. It left these the bugs did there. infiltrate Starfleet at the highest levels. Did infiltrate. and and that cannot be denied. And, and there were more out there, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and somehow we just. They just killed one, and they're like, well, that's that. Let's move on. <laughs> Probably because it would cost so much to show them. 
I mean, that stop it, the stop motion animation of that thing running across the floor, not cheap. The puppetry, not cheap. Also, borderline um, uh, questionable for a family tele- television show. They blew a guy's fucking face off, man. And I'm sorry. I it mean, exploded. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say it. You need you need vulgarity to explain just how gruesome that was on a syndicate. <laughs> You're seeing his neck face. pulsate from the pressure. They they stacked a dummy's head with meat and literally blew it up. They blew up a guy's mm-hmm. fucking head on Star Trek, and it was graphic. <laughs> I mean, they melted off his yes. skin and outer flesh layers, and you see, like, this eyeball embedded in, like, tissue before they literally blew it off. Yep. That thing wasn't even shown on the BBC for, like, 20 years. No. No. <laughs> and then there was an open chest cavity with this 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 this, this grotesque thing, oh, which is a puppet, obviously, the, coming out and whining, like... The, yeah which was pretty graphic and gross it was it was like serious horror creature shop kind of shit awful yeah i yeah i mean nightmare fuel (laughs) but it's unresolved because we never heard about it again obviously they're around the closest thing we got was that they said and i can't understand how this but in the drumhead that that admiral who was on the witch hunt was supposedly key in helping uncover the uh, admiral Settee. yeah how when picard and the enterprise were the ones who basically stopped it how was she crucial in uncovering the parasite plane that that's what got right. me on that one that's <laughs> the only other time they freaking mention it and it's like long <laughs> I, I know i know so that's that's the example that's the kind of thing i'm looking for i mean that was first season of a, of a long-running tv show you know where they implied that they're too. everywhere and it was it was one of the first season episodes where you can actually watch again and again. Yeah, it's one of its best episodes of season one. So, so that's what I was looking for. That one was probably what I would call a a really good one. So knowing those parameters now at this point, I've got some examples of some Stargate stuff, which you're not going to know, which I'll explain however briefly um but is there anything else that comes to your mind that you want to bring up well i mean <clears throat> we talk a lot of sci-fi and whatnot i mean they left plot threads okay solo solo a star wars story but darth kira and darth maul that's hanging okay yeah i didn't even think about movies but yeah I mean, we didn't. Did we specify shows? No, we didn't. And uh, but I'm allowing it because I mean, a movie is a different animal than a show, 
and it, it's still sci-fi and it, they intended it with the idea that they were gonna do a solo too which i really want by the way yeah i mean hell you could pull it up in one of these um one of these shows too i mean they could resolve that in a in a disney plus series somewhere too uh, uh probably cassian uh, and or yeah, I always I can never get those Maybe. names right. You you could. Uh, it does seem to go kind of against the grain of what they're doing in Andor, but interesting. And this week's episode was pretty good too. I didn't watch it yet. I will. You, you get but, the first uh, appearance of um, Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. Yes. And, oh, nice. She pretty much has more screen time in this one episode than she does in almost all of her other appearances. <laughs> did they did they have to de-age her? I hope they didn't have to. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. I mean, okay. I mean, she's... I don't think so. You can, I mean, you you can, can tell, tell when they de-age someone. Did not de-age Jimmy Smith's in obi-wan he looked older than he looked in <laughs> no, no they didn't <laughs> yeah well that costs money <laughs> they can only do so much they um, saved all their money to dh hayden christensen yeah they did and i'm surprised that they actually had to dh hayden christensen because he still looked older he did look older so maybe they didn't dh him it, he, his face was smooth. A little well, too smooth, huh? Well, it wasn't Uncanny Valley, but he was, his face was smooth, not lined like it is when you see the promotional stuff with him. But, you know. Side note, we're talking about de-aging real quick. Do you know who was de-aged without computers? Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in the opening scene. But did they do use some face tape? and His makeup artist has been with him for the last 30 years. And she saw what they wanted to do. And she's like, oh, I can make all those wrinkles go away. Not a problem. It'll be all practical. Uh, he'll look like he would have mm-hmm. been back in, in the 80s. Not, not an issue. And you they know, did it. The best de-aging job they did was on Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Well, they didn't have to do a lot. <laughs> yeah, but if you, if you look at Sam Jackson, even in in his appearances, you know, and I mean, it's in, like, Far From Home. Yeah. You can tell. I mean, that... That's a 60-year-old man. Okay. He's in his early 70s. Is he? Yeah, he's like 73. Fine. Still, you could tell he's... And now I got to double-check it because I'm an asshole. Older man. He looked younger and believably so. Colson's wasn't bad either. It's just weird seeing Clark Gregg with hair, you know. Yeah forehead not the he and i have similar hair lines 
me and Clark Gregg. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson is 73 years old, by the way. Oh, shit. Looks good. So he might have been 69 when they filmed it. No, he was born. He was 71. No, I'm sorry. He was 69. He was 70 when they filmed. Um, no, I'm. he was 69 when they filmed Captain Marvel. But still, 69 years old. They did and he looks fantastic. Well, and he's getting his own show here soon. Yeah, he is. And, and shit, man. I, I hope we have him for another 50 years. You know what? Here, here you go. Here's one that we thought was a hanging thread that is now not a hanging thread. Okay. The leader from The Incredible Hulk. Oh, that bothered me. Yes. If, if it came, if if we had done this episode in like August, it would have been an unresolved <laughs> plot point. But now he's coming back as the leader, same actor, same character mm-hmm. in Cap. I'm on board with that. I'm glad. I'm glad they're finally doing that. Yeah, they're 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 doing that. They're they're uh, resolving the the Blomsky uh, story issue. Um, with the the, 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 abom- the abomination. Very good. I, I, I like that. So. I like that they're tying up. I mean, they tied up the they tied up Trevor Slattery, the fake Mandarin. In yes, they did. Fake Mandarin. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I, 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 oh, I liked all, uh, all Hail the King. It was pretty good, too. Right, it was a little play on being like, "Hey, you, you guys thought we thought this was the the man, the Mandarin? No, not the true Mandarin." Yep. Um, it left it open. It left it open. Great, and then we saw the true Mandarin, who went by a different name, but he punished Trevor Slattery <laughs> for taking on the Mandarin name. Yeah, but he didn't kill him, which you kind of thought he would. Then you get uh, Mandarin. Uh, well, what's his? What was his name? I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I am too. But he, the the main bad guy on Shang Chi, um, his father, Shang's father, um, was is too cold and calculating, but too proud. He wants to keep trophies. Yeah, his I, wife I, was a trophy. His children were trophies. And yeah. if they didn't, if they didn't perform to what level he wanted them to be, they were an abomination. But, but Trevor, capturing him and shaming him—that's a trophy for him. So, I can't believe I dug that deeply into freaking Shang Chi. Shouldn't have had to do that. <laughs> it's not that deep a movie. <laughs> Well, let me just double back real quick to the um, my solo. So we yes. know how Maul's story ends. If you've seen Rebels, you know how Maul's story ends. Very well. But there's like a probably a probably a couple year gap between there in Solo and when Maul finally meets his end in Rebels. So, but what is left hanging is what's going on with Kira. Because at some point we catch up with Han and Lando and Chewie again. Right. 
of Lakira. And now, she's with what the sun sunset or the sun? What was the gang called? She took it over from. Yeah, not the Black Sun because the Black. <coughs> um, but yeah, I, I <laughs> took it, it over it, from the Vision. She Dawn. took it over from the Vision. Crimson Dawn. That's what it was. Crimson Dawn. That's what it is. Which, and you see it in a in a, a visual cameo um, in season seven of the Clone Wars where the Siege of Mandalore and Ahsoka and Rex and Bo-Katan are trying to take back Mandalore from Maul. But he's talking with his Shadow Collective, all these various criminal organizations that he kind of pulled under his belt when he took them over. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a clear figure that looks a lot like Paul Bettany's Dryden boss. Mm. Which, of course, when Voss dies, Maul contacts Kira. So Kira absorbs Voss's role in the Shadow Collective as the head of Crimson Dawn. And apparently she's getting some love in the Disney comics. So I guess we'll see. I, I'd like to see what goes on with her because she was actually a decent character. And I agree. I'd like to see more. She had to do horrible things to survive, and that's going to change someone. It is. No matter how good you are, yeah. that's going to change you. Yeah, she had to do many horrible things. Lying, cheating, probably murder, spelling her probably name. Probably sell herself physically. I, I mean, that, that can't be understated, however, however hard it is to say, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, I agree. I, I agree with that. Um, I want to bring this to a lighter side now. <laughs> Can I do that? Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to keep it with Star Trek The Next Generation real quick. The episode Schisms. That's not lighter. No, it's not. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation tried to tackle the subject of alien abductions. What were they in? Some sort of interdimensional something? Like they that. were in some kind of interdimensional pocket where, where they created an environment that was compatible for us. Like there was some kind of like, like uh, uh, communications array that alerted those aliens. They created a pocket of our universe in their realm and started taking Enterprise officers and and studying them biologically. Uh-huh. And then they started to they started to create a realm of theirs in our universe in one of the cargo bays. Yeah, they were creepy looking aliens, too. They they tried to make them look as alien as possible. They communicated with clicks completely foreign to what we have. I mean, not even growls or anything. It's just incomprehensible clicks, which was creepy as shit. Um, the realization in the holodeck of them recreating the the operating table, which, by the way, was not perfect in comparison to what you saw in the actual realm, which I found was delightful because that meant that the props person was like, no, it wouldn't be realistic for them to remember everything to a true detail. 
just an interpretation of what they saw, which was great. Um, I noticed that when I was 10, 11. Um, But uh, eventually, like the the Enterprise realizes what's going on and Riker goes in. He's he's given medication so he's not wiped out, but he has to pretend he's asleep. And then he goes in, rescues one of the Enterprise crew members that's not there. That, that wasn't on the Enterprise. It's still there in that realm. And then um, jumps back onto the Enterprise and uh, into the cargo bay. Only before that, that portal closes, a probe goes through into our universe. And at the very end, Riker is talking to the senior crew going, this ensign is dead. They dissected us and put us back together. They tried to create an entire pocket in our universe of their own. They weren't just here trying to discover things or explore. They were here to do something more. And then pan out to the Enterprise with that that ponderous like music as they wander off into the darkness. And that... I mean, I wanted more. My father saw that episode, right? With me for the first time. He and I were sitting there watching that episode. And even he, at the end, is like, ooh, that's setting up something big. I'm like, yeah, it is. (laughs) But my father is not a fan of sci-fi. And he even picked that up. And nothing. We got nothing. Probably because it was a season six episode. They didn't have a lot more time left because they were trying to wrap up, like, the Borg story and stuff. Very true. So I found that I always found that disappointing because it was such an effective episode and we don't see a later payoff on it. You know, I was scrolling through what I, th- I think um, some YouTube videos while looking for like reactions to like season or to like episodes of like lower decks. I got to step away from my microphone, but I'm listening to you. I want to say that there's, I saw something that was hinting that maybe those aliens, people thinking that maybe those aliens are, could be who is the, um, the big threat for season three of Picard. I mean, I don't know. It's just something somebody out there could be but i do remember seeing that recently and uh be interesting if they were to follow up that somewhere i don't know those are my thoughts uh but it's an interesting episode next gen did have a few that they kind of left hanging open-ended that Maybe so you're saying the were... schism aliens were going to be in Picard season three? People are thinking that. I guess that's one of the things that has been thrown out there as potentials. Right. I don't know if it was a fan theory or not. I'm just, you know, that's that was kicked around a little. So I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind. I mean, that feels more of a Riker kind of thing, where Picard has to go in and 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 rescue Riker. True. It also feels a little bit more of a deeper cut. Yes and no. I mean, frickin' Measure of a Man is a frickin' deep cut. No, it's not. It, it is. Data. 
yeah, but it's an early season episode, and I get it. One of the better, one of the best ones written, but. Uh, all right, we can we can agree to disagree. I'm not going to argue. I'm I can I can understand it is a redefining episode of Data, but don't forget that in the episode Data's Day, he was narrating it as a letter to Bruce Maddox. Oh, that's true. Whom I had no idea he was actually writing to because I never connected that to that episode. Well, I think <laughs> at the very beginning he he's. He mentions him by name. Yeah, no, he does. He does. I just had no idea. But Not until the card was about to come out and I was doing my, my due research. Yeah, which, which, by the way, and no knock on the guy that they hired to play Bruce Maddox, but if they weren't going to bring back the original guy, if they couldn't bring back the original guy, do you think maybe you could have found somebody who looked vaguely like this guy? Bruce Maddox was like this tall kind of thin guy. This guy was like this short, scruffy. He didn't look anything like him. I focused on the face, and I felt like he looked like him aged 30 years and unkempt. I, yeah, I, but, but that doesn't I, sound I, like I, Bruce Maddox that we were familiar with. No. That guy he was kind of, stick up your ass kind of dude. This guy looks like a mad, he kind of looked a little bit more like a mad scientist. Yes, he did. They 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 were very har harmful to the character in that regard. Yeah, the, the, the actor I felt was okay, serviceable. Oh, but I know what you're saying. I, I mean, they the could have done absolutely better by getting the original guy. Yeah, well, the guy they brought in was a more known character actor as opposed to this guy who I don't even think has an IMDb page. So, well, I mean, Bruce Maddox had no value in the show in the first place. He was just there to die. <laughs> I know, which is kind of shitty when you bring back a legacy character for that. Well, let's talk about Eat Chip or Hugh, shall we? Well, at least they had the same actor for Hugh. But you're <laughs> right, they, they did Hugh dirty. They did Hugh dirty, they did Eat Chip dirty, um, they, they did a lot of people dirty. Yes, they did, uh, but I think we're getting off topic again. We are. We are. Uh, Seasons, done. Uh, what's your thought? I, no, 100% uh, on board with that. I think that was a great call. So we've done two Star Trek, two Next Gen, and one Star Wars. So... Non-Star Treks now. Well, they're... Uh, Trying to think from Clone Wars if there was any hanging plot threads that, and the, the funny thing is with the Clone Wars now is that you can't be sure if there's unresolved storylines with Bad Batch season eight coming in. Right. They have picked up a few and they brought together some hints of things from. It kind of looks like they're you know, they're tying more and more things back to. Uh, you know, the animated series to the Disney Plus series, so right. hard to argue with that. Now, let me, let me explain. I was thinking about the Star Wars uh, TV shows, and I feel like their writing is tighter in the same way that the Orville is, okay? In the sense that you saw a lot of callbacks to previous Orville episodes in Orville New Horizons. 
like where you Kelly can. is worshipped as a god. That's a random one. Um, but they resolve that one that we it's figured out what's been there. It's only like 12 episodes a season for three seasons. Right, but they, they kept it tight. Like, they didn't leave things unresolved. We saw things later happen, you know? Like, the very last episode, they, they talked about the episode, the, the, the planet that has the, like, the, social, <laughs> the social voting system for people. That didn't yeah. need to happen. Well, wasn't that, like, episode two or something like that? Like three or four, maybe it might have been two. Yeah, I mean, it was a shocking episode because it was strangely like social comedy. Yeah, Yeah. and effective too. So, but I I feel like we don't see a lot of unresolved stuff with the Orville aside from wanting to know what the grand storyline is, which it doesn't work here because that's like if the Orville is done and canceled, it was canceled before its time. So we can't really talk about it. You know what I mean? I also don't think there was a ton of really hanging unresolved story lines except for it's in a detente. Kind of, huh? They're in a detente <laughs> of, you know, new, of but, new alliances. I mean, the closest thing you could think of is, is, is it me or did Ed and Kelly kind of look a little chummier? I mean, they've kind of floated that around that Ed and Kelly may or may not get back together. Well, Ed Ed realized what Kelly was dealing with. Number one, his his neglect, and Ed realizes that. But also, he understood what she was going through with that alien played by um, um what's his face Rob Lowe, who has the pheromones that are just uh you know uh. uh Unresistible, irresistible, unresistable. My God, irresistible. Like it turned it turned Ed attracted to a male alien, uh, and and I mean, fine, uh, but it was that strong, you know. So I think having that perspective, it gave him a new appreciation for what Kelly was dealing with, especially in a vulnerable state. Like, yeah. It wasn't entirely her issue. That's my interpretation of it. I mean, you could take it as you will. But again, you're not. You're 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 still missing the point. In the final episode, it kind of looks like they reached for hands. Yeah. Yeah. So again, if we're talking about any sort of unresolved story arc, should that show end, then that would be one. I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm for you on that one. And if they do come back for Orville season four, what oh, do I do with Um, I mean, Norm had lines in like every episode. It was sometimes it was just a quick, you know, basically a voice cameo, but. He was in, I think he was in almost every episode. They probably would, they might be able to do an episode where they show him dying early on in the episode and they deal with that grief that whole time. Well, that would be good. That would be a a wonderful send up to him. Has to be a heroic death, though. Of course it would, because we saw that Yafit, even though he was a little crass, um, his heart was of gold. 
yeah. You know? He showed himself. I mean, he showed himself to be a very uh, exemplary crew member of the Union. Oh, yeah. And he was a real smartass. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's Norm. <laughs> so, but, you know, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. But that's how I would think they would do it. I think they would spend a whole episode dealing with the grief. And some kind of spiritual understanding or non-spiritual understanding. Probably, probably non-spiritual understanding. Because Seth MacFarlane seems to be anti-religion. Well, yeah, they were very clear in the very beginning that the Union and Earth got rid of all religion <laughs> um, by that time. So, which in 400 years, that's going to be impossible. I'm sorry. But hey, you know. It's not not exactly something I want to happen either, but you know. Um, so, oh, I wanted to talk about. Can we jump to Quantum Leap? I didn't mean to use that as a joke, but. Oh yeah, well, I mean that's pretty that's pretty unresolved. <laughs> well, yes, but again, canceled before time. Are we talking about Sam Beckett continually lost through time, or are we talking no. Sam, Sam Beckett completely ignored by Quantum Leap reboot? I, I wish we could. Um, supposedly, the Quantum Leap reboot takes place in the same universe, by the way. Supposedly. Um, but I think we talked about that, right? We did. So, did. yes, Sam Beckett never left home. Got it. He never left home. That was an unresolved issue be because they canceled it early. Yeah. It was, the show wasn't supposed to be canceled, but at the end of season five, it was supposed to be renewed. So they weren't ready to write a, a farewell. Um, so they just had an end card. They put an end card on, which devastated everyone. It gave, I couldn't sleep that night when I saw that, finally. It was awful. It was awful. However, here is an unresolved Quantum Leap episode or, or uh, story thread. The evil leapers, the ones that work for Satan. Satan? Yeah. Like the actual devil or just a really... Like the actual devil. Oh. The evil leapers, which were women, by the way, you know, because opposite, you know, whatever. Um, but the female leaper who had a female owl, which I forget. Oh, her, her is, she was called Lothos. That's right. And, uh, like it jumps genres. It was, it was, but they were supposed to make wrong what once went right. And, and they crossed paths in, in a couple episodes, actually. I only saw one. I didn't see the one where they cross paths again, but it was interesting because Al and Lothos couldn't see each other and and Sam couldn't see Lothos. Uh, the girl, Evil Leaper, couldn't see Al, but Sam and the girl could see each other as being different people outside of the bodies that they were in. Um, and they had two episodes together and we we. Never saw them again after season four. It was two episodes, one and two and done. Nothing resolved. Like you would think that they would actually like figure out how to 
like what's going on and you could that was the ultimate issue god was jumping in to stop this yeah maybe they just because they thought they were getting too far out there they absolutely did i i feel like i feel like the writers probably thought they were getting a little too spiritual although they did stay very spiritual and very supernatural I mean, they went into the Bermuda Triangle, for Christ's sake, and saw an old World War II ship that disappeared. Yeah, I remember that. I, <laughs> I mean, so uh, maybe it was just something. It was a corner that they didn't feel they could write themselves out of creatively. But there are possibilities. Um, uh, some glitch had him jumping into, like, his great great grandfather. The Civil War. Yeah, yeah. That, I still need to see that. I own the whole series digitally. I need to see it. Um, I need to see everything. But <laughs> uh, the Evil Leapers are a big dangling, you know, plot line that I really wanted. I want to see resolved and uh, never done. Mm-hmm. Like there was never, uh, there was never a, a satisfying solution to those episodes. All right, sustained, approved. I approve this message. <laughs> I got a couple examples in the Stargate universe, which you cannot really participate in. So, what do you have first? Well, you know that. <sighs> well. Tough, right? Yeah. It is, but it isn't. There's like, oh, yeah, they could have done this. They could have done that. Uh, and Don't forget, we could still talk about honorable mentions near the end. No, it, if you want to bring up an honorable mention now, you can. No, so, I mean, well, honorable mentions would be all the cliffhangers of shows that we've watched that never ended up going anywhere you know like briscoe or space above and beyond ended on a cliffhanger yeah it did where almost everyone died no it basically looks like one one of them dies a couple of them look like they're drifting into enemy territory and like only two made it back to friendly lines yeah um I think it was the Asian guy that died, didn't he? He sacrificed himself to get the other two out. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. And and Van. Yeah, and forgive Wang, me, I don't remember his name. It, it looks like Wang sacrifices himself to save Vanson and Danfoos, who hit the eject on the cockpit and were floating down, I think, into enemy lines. Hawks and West are the only ones who make it back to friendly lines with, and I guess it was... I think what they they they're rescuing like colonists, you know, like captives who, including West's fiance, and like Colonel McQueen is blown up with an IED or something like that from the yeah convoy. So yeah, there was a lot of hang, there was a lot of hanging threads there on that one. That that one stuck with me. I've only seen it twice, but it kind of stuck with me because you know I really enjoyed the show and it was just such a rotten fucking ending it really was well, uh, just awful 
currently an unresolved plot line is the whereabouts of Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thank you. I'll take that. So, so Thrawn and Ezra at the end of Rebels blast off with what's left of the Imperial fleet over Lothal when the Purgle space whales come in and wrap them up and jump. Now, at the time, there's a hole in the window of the Star Destroyer that Ezra and Thrawn is on, and Ezra is wounded. Thrawn's wrapped up by a Purgle, and they leap into hyperspace. And then you get Sabine's voiceover, where they basically sit out the rebellion. Well, she and a few others sit out the rebellion while um, Rex and Hera go on and fight in the rebellion. Obviously, Hera fights the Scarif and at Endor. Uh, but Sabine is protecting Lothal and waiting, you know, the promise she gave to Ezra. And then at the end of, you know, the episode, here comes Ahsoka shows up and she and Sabine are going to go find Ezra. That's what you can tell. They're, they're going to go look for Ezra. Flash forward to Mandalorian season two, the episode The Jedi, and uh, Ahsoka Dawson disarms Bruce Lee's goddaughter and asks her, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn, who apparently is somewhat behind this this imperial governor whatever so and apparently that seems to be the gist of the ahsoka series is like her quest to find ezra and find thrawn so but right. at the moment it is an unresolved plot thread whereas in rebels when rebels ends 2018 we didn't know any of these things were coming no, <laughs> we did not. We thought that that was going to be a hanging plot thread. And right now, it's still an unresolved plot thread. Looks like it will be resolved, but... Am I right? No, I, I, I completely concur. Uh, it took me... I mean, as soon as they... As soon as Ahsoka... And I probably should have known when they introduced Ahsoka, but as soon as Ahsoka was going, where is Thrawn? I'm like, holy shit, we're going to find out where Ezra is. Yep. As soon as that happened, I'm like, there we go. Oh, we're going to see Ezra. And thank God. Thank God. And, oh, uh, we talked about Kanan showing up in uh, Cassian, right? Andor. Yeah, Andor. I know. I'm sorry. That's my genuine mess up. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, um, yes, we talked about it. The other, yeah, just yesterday. Kanan is, is kind of hiding on the fringes, so that could be possible. I think meeting Hera might be more plausible because her father had basically went from resisting the Separatists to like a, like a five-day window where it's like, oh, hey, everything's good now. The war's over. To holy shit, the Empire, I gotta fight them. So, yep, <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that? Imagine that you're dealing with such an awful war, and then your side wins, and then you're like, oh my god, and all the people who helped you win are now 
trying to take over. You're like, Fuck. yeah, yeah. I mean, just ugh. yeah, it's rough. <sighs> that's, a, that's a tough putt. Yeah, so I mean, Hera, I would say Hera would be more inclined because it definitely looks like they're going to try to shy away from force users right now in Andor. So it wouldn't surprise me if Hera is more likely. I, I would like, I, I understand them wanting to get away from force users. Fine. If, if I don't see Caden, is it Caden? What's his name? Shit. Kanan, sorry. Ah, man. That and a thousand right now. If I don't see Kanan, I'm not going to be disappointed. But I would find it fun. If, I mean, again, because he's in hiding, and we all see how much hiding the Jedi have to do after watching Kenobi. But we, it would be fun to see Kenobi. him. Man, yeah, I really it would be just, fun to yeah, see him in robes. That were rage yell of Kenobi. I no, guess. no. <laughs> it's so good. But like imagine a scene where someone in in Andor is in trouble and we see Freddie Prince Jr. walk out after you know talking to them earlier in the episode and he does his little Jedi mind you know Jedi hand wave and he flips the flips the lock open and, and only the camera sees it only the camera sees it and then he walks away with a smirk on his face and that's it that's all we see and like whoever's in the in the cage is gone, you know, gets out and stuff. And like, oh, how did that happen? Like, whoa, that'd be effective, right? Be interesting. Here, I, I think it'd be a nice nod. Here's a plot thread that I'm curious about. Uh, that we might get some. Looks like according to the according to the trailer for bad batch season two it looks like we're getting cody in bad batch season two which cody was kind of a hanging chad because he was that was rex's best friend he and obi-wan were extremely close and an effective leadership team and then you never hear about cody again Aside not from, after not after Revenge of the Sith. Right. You know, canon, you know, canonically. Until Rex kind of, I think, mentioned Cody a handful of times during Rebels. But aside from that, I mean, he was such an important supporting character in, in the Clone Wars. Um, be curious to see what happens there. Before, yeah. It... it if nothing else, it definitely looks like we'll get an appearance from him in the Bad Batch season two. So that will be good. I'd kind of like to see where they go from there, what actually happens with Cody. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things. Tales of the Jedi, this other animated series that's coming out, looks like it's going to finally give us some resolution on what happened to Yaddle. Which, yeah, we talked about that. There's been yeah. a lot of speculation on, well, Yaddle was on the Jedi Council and Phantom Menace, and then she's no longer there. And around that time, a baby Yoda was born. So. Around the 50-year mark. Was that really 50 years? Because it was 10 years between... 
Yeah, it was around that time because we're looking at at least 43, 44 years. You know, it, it's it's funny. Anakin Skywalker and Grogu might be almost the same age. They might be. <laughs> so he would have been 50 just like Anakin would have been. Okay, here's one of the biggest mysteries and I'm sure it's it's I'm sure it's coming, but who rescued Grogu and what happened to him? That is most definitely an unresolved plot. But is it an unresolved plot hole? Because or an unresolved plot. It's it's outstanding right now. But well, the show is still active. Yes, it is. But still, I mean, we've seen scenes of the Jedi Temple in both the Book of Boba Fett showed in a flashback scene. And we saw a quick flashback scene in the Mandalorian of, of, of Grogu watching everything quickly. No, it was like a was, split that, second. That was the book of Boba Fett. Was it? Oh, it was. Yeah, you're right. Yes. And Luke helps him try to see it. And you see him like with this horrified look on his cute little face and his little robe and stuff. Wow. And it cuts between that and the pictures of a couple of Jedi trying, you know, deflecting blaster bolts from clones and then all the Jedi dying in front of them. But we don't know what happens to Grogu. How does Grogu end up on that shithole? And, and Ahsoka and, and Luke both say that he's got blocks in his memory. How did Grogu get from the Jedi Temple during Operation Nightfall to that Tatooine imposter in episode one of The Mandalorian. Um, okay. Again, I, I agree with you. It's it's unresolved. I'll give it a pass because it's, it, it, it's, it's an outstanding question. Yeah, it's begging to be resolved. And if they don't resolve it, that's going to be a problem. It will. I, I have a feeling they will resolve it, though. Because the show is still outstanding. It's a big question. We want to know where Grogu came from. And. So I, I'll give it an honorable mention status. Yes. Well, it's not. It's listed. It's an incomplete right now. Yes. Because it. <laughs> it will become very valid if they don't give us an answer. <laughs> yeah, it will. it will. Because they've dropped enough hints. That's yes. It. So you're hoping it is, but right now it is a very unresolved situation. Yes. To argue that, you know, it's hanging over our heads. Hey, here's one. <laughs> Here, here's a great plot thread that just disappeared. Jon Snow's parentage in Game of Thrones. No, it didn't. It went nowhere. We know who his parents are, though. Yeah, but it it went nowhere. I mean, it like this is like a, a plot thread that was kind of abandoned, and maybe they they did enough with it. And of course, this is also bad writing, huh? 
Did you read the books? Because I didn't. I only read the first book, but I okay. mean. I was satisfied with the answer. Like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, Stark. It was, what's his name? He wasn't Ned Stark's bastard. Yeah, we know. He wasn't Ned Stark's bastard. He was Ned Stark's nephew. Yes. Who was, who was sired by his, his sister and a Targaryen. Rhaegar Targaryen, yeah. Yeah. So we know we know his parentage. He still has to go off to the black, which in the black obviously is like you really don't belong here. You've served your time. You can go off to be with the people, the the, the free people. Into the cold wasteland. I know it's a cold wasteland and it sucks, well, but and, you can and go maybe, somewhere and, from there. Maybe maybe it's not that is that it went nowhere. It's that like they just tossed everything out the fucking window. They're building all of this stuff up all the way up through like season six, season seven, and then it's like season eight. It's like, oh yeah, all it's going to do is, I mean, we were hoping that, I mean, nobody really did anything about it. All they did was talk shit and like, oh, well, I guess he's a better candidate for the throne. And, and all you get is Jon Snow going, I don't want it. I don't never ask for it. I don't want it. <laughs> it, it was just such a letdown. And it should have been Jon Snow that takes the throne. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. The best ending would have been Jon and Daenerys taking the throne together. Were they cousins? Or she was his aunt? I guess she was technically his aunt, but it never stopped Targaryens before. Well, that's true, as we see in the House of the Dragon, which I haven't seen, but I see is implied. Well, I haven't seen it either, but that's, I guess, a, either a, it was like a Valerian tradition. I right. read Blood and Fire, which is basically a chunk of which is what uh, the House of the Dragon is based on, is like Aegon the Conqueror married both of his sisters. Mm, gross. Yes. So gross. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Jeez. and after watching Jamie and Cersei, the fact that John no, Snow that was, was that was consensual. That's fine. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's still gross. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Game of Thrones. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. There, there's tons of plot threads that disappeared, you know, throughout. Well, what what about the what about the 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 cannibals that came south from from north of the wall? Like they came in like season four or something, and they just kind of disappeared. The wildlings who crossed the wall and then attacked Castle Black. Yeah. Yeah, they got up. Killed and captured. And oh, did they? Ended up fighting in Jon Snow's army. Okay. I mean, they left a lot of things hanging or unresolved or piss poor. Or just they just threw shit out of the books altogether. It just, <laughs> I mean, it just seemed like they, they built up a lot of shit with... Or, I guess maybe now I'm straying into plot threads that just dead ended. 
and that they just didn't do right. Like the, I think the I think that's where you're going. Yeah, yeah. All right, so maybe I was a little off on that one. That being said, it was something that should have gotten bigger. I mean, they just it, 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 here's where I think they screwed it up, in that it kind of made it go nowhere. Is instead of everybody learning that the great lie of Robert's rebellion was a lie and that everybody should have that should have been like ground shaking news <laughs> it's like oh well he's actually uh closer in line to the to the throne i don't want it no the fact that the entire rebellion was built on mostly a lie right was that was the thing yeah, everything, everything leading up, everything after that was completely illegitimate. Which, which means the Targaryens should have stayed in power, because they probably were the better power. Until they weren't, when they decided to make, uh, was it Daenerys? Yeah, the, I mean that's just character assassination right there. Yeah, they decided to make Daenerys go like, oh fuck these guys, I'm gonna burn my new city, like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> which, by the way, it was covered in ash, not snow, which I thought was interesting. But still, the, oh, when they finally showed the throne at the end. No, John Snow. Boom. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. She was covered in snow. Whoops. Gross. Well, um, this is a family uh, podcast, OK, you son of a bitch. Well, it cannot be. <laughs> we use too much salty language. All right, so maybe that one wasn't the best, but it, it just felt like it was something that like went nowhere. Right. When it should have. I mean, there were plenty that disappeared. I mean, they just had characters disappear during the show. Um, but anyway... Uh, give me a Stargate one, man. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but give me the quick high points on a, on a good I'll one. give you the better of the two that I have here. Um, so, uh, Stargate Atlantis is all based on, uh, the city of Atlantis being built by the, the, the Lanteans, uh, the ancients, basically. Um, and Atlantis left Antarctica 10,000 years B.C., um and went to the pegasus galaxy that's the gist of it they get there they want to propagate the 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 quote-unquote proto-human species because lance basically humans but with superpowers and um but they do they do see humans that have evolved parallel to to them on earth and they want to bring those humans to the pegasus galaxy that's the gist of that so stargate finds where the lost city is in the pegasus galaxy they're able to use what's called a zero point module which is a super powered battery that uses gets energy from the entropy of the galaxy which is nothing right in theory you should be able to get infinite amounts of energy from the vacuum of space that's a real thing uh, they call it a zpm all right 
Uh, they used this to be able to power the wormhole in Colorado to be able to go to the Pegasus Galaxy. It zaps the ZPM there on Earth, which they used for defense against Anubis. That's a whole other story, but they were able to do that. But they left Earth vulnerable. So now they're stuck in Atlantis, which is under the water. Um, Atlantis is losing... Hmm? Atlantis is under the sea. It's underwater, yeah. It's it's underwater in the Pegasus Galaxy. No, 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 no. Under the sea. Under the sea. With Each year is better. Down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Correct. There you go. So I mean, they're under the sea. <laughs> I mean, we are getting ready for the Little Mermaid to come back. <laughs> yeah, we don't deal with controversies here. Uh, love the Little Mermaid, though. Love it. Um, so anyway, the story is they ha- they're running out of power. The city needs three ZPMs to work out work at optimal efficiency. So they have to actually take the city out from the bottom of the ocean and bring it to the top, which leaves them vulnerable to this alien species called the Wraith. The Wraith eat humans by sucking out their souls. They're basically soul vampires, okay? This all sounds really stupid, but it looks really cool in the actual show. Um, You'd probably be able to, you'd probably be able to, like, digest Atlantis a lot better than SG-1. To be honest with you, well, that's good. I, I'm I'm not kidding. You probably would be able to. Um, so the whole thing is they're vulnerable. They need to find more ZPM modules around this galaxy of these proto-human civilizations that are mostly um, uh, primitive. Okay. But they, you know, a lot of them are educated. Some of them are very highly developed civilizations, but not to the level that we are at our point now. That being said, one of the episodes comes across in the city of a cryogenic tube fill, uh, um, holding Elizabeth Weir, the commander of the show. Now, by the way, Elizabeth Weir is about 35 years old in the TV show, but in the, in the cryotube, she's like really old. The episode talks about how in the first attempt, in her timeline, so they take her out, she talks about the situation, the cryotube didn't completely keep her from aging because it was damaged and the power was low. Uh, So she was really old during that time for the last 10,000 years. Um, She got old. She she got old during 10,000 years, but it's slow to rate. Um, she talks about how the first time she went with the team, they couldn't really control the city. The city didn't have a a protocol to get the city up above the ocean when the shields failed. Um, so almost everyone died. She accidentally goes back in time at a puddle jumper, which we later find out they have a couple time machines, but we didn't know at this point. And she is with the Lanteans 10,000 years prior to the expedition. She learns, okay, I know, I'm I'm almost done, I'm almost done. She stays with Atlanteans, she falls in love, she has an entire life, and then, you know, the Wraith are about to be there, they have to submerge the city at this point, and that's when she goes in the cryo tube. She comes back, she tells, she tells the second, but, but at that point, she, 10,000 years prior, in this new timeline, she's able to tell the Lanteans, you need to create a new protocol that if the shields are about to fail, 
to you have to tell the city to jump to the surface of the ocean, which is exactly what happens in the pilot. So as opposed to her original timeline where it didn't jump to the surface and the almost everyone was killed because the, the city collapsed in on itself from the water. Make sense? Yes. No, it doesn't, but that's fine. Um, anyway, at the very end of the episode, she tells them this is like season this is season one, like episode 10 or something. Before she dies, she tells them where five ZPMs are throughout the Pegasus galaxy. Five of them. Atlantis only needs three to be able to work optimally. They spend the next episode looking for one, and they find it depleted. And then after that, they're like, fuck it, we're not looking for any more. That's it. Yeah. it just, there, there are four more ZPMs out there that they don't even bother looking for. But they just said, screw it, huh? They just said, screw it. Which could fix all their problems, by the way. They knew exactly where they were. I mean, there was a whole episode finding the first one, and it was a big problem. Don't get me wrong, but it's worth it to look for the others, too. <laughs> so that's a big dangling plot thread, um, which was stupid, in my opinion. Um, but again, I feel like Stargate's writing was a little bit better in the same as, as the, the Orville because they did a lot of callbacks to their previous shows and it just built upon itself from there, you know? As opposed to creating an episode of the week, it built upon itself in a more episodic format. That's what I was looking for when I was trying to describe the Orville. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, that, that, that seems to fit the bill. I think so. I think it's a, a little bit of a reach, but it was something that could have solved all their problems. And the writers like, shit, well, we don't want to solve our problems all in the first season. Like, <laughs> they probably sat back and like, do we really want to do this? Um, so they, they put themselves in a corner. I have a Stargate abandoned plot thread for you. Ooh. Okay. Maybe I can make me. Maybe I can refute it. In the pilot. Yeah. What is the whole point of them going through the Stargate? Um, they're there to rescue their airmen. And what happens when they end up in the uh, butcher palace? Well, she's dead. And is never mentioned. Son of a bitch, you're right. You talked about that. God damn it. <laughs> they never talked about her. They're like, we need to find our people. It was only her. It was only her. And they go there. They don't make any active effort to look for her. You're right. Once they get there, they don't even ask what happened to our airmen. It's completely unresolved, which might. Oh, man, I want to give them credit because they're good nope. writers, but maybe they got caught up in the whole. Pilot issue where they need to bring the characters they want in. You could have done that with a one minute scene. They could <laughs> have easily. Just like us. Oh, well, she was taken and she didn't make it. 
they could have found her with the others or something. Oh, man, how awful. Yep. I'm so sad about that now. That makes me sad. Well, okay, don't watch Star Stargate SG-1. Or or skip to <laughs> skip to season two or something. Or or the end of season one. Skip to the end I mean, of season that, one. But that was like the entire point of them going back through the stupid stuff. I know. They reactivated the whole program to go after her. So. It was awful. Uh, yeah, no, um, you're right. I agree. And you could chalk that up to nineteen ninety seven, maybe. In nineteen yeah, nineteen ninety seven, but chalk that yeah. up to crazy writing. I think they got caught up in the whole idea of making a pilot and they, they forgot they forgot the focus. That can easily be done. You've written stuff. Have you ever gone back to your writing and was like, oh, man, why did I write it to go this direction when yeah, I wanted to go this way? I have. And I've. You know, if it's something that's still in. Progress, I've, I've tried to fix it. Yeah, but it takes effort. It takes effort. But if you're under a gun. I mean, not to I, it's not an excuse. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out the reasoning. It, it's, it's inexcusable that they it, did that. It's just a giant lapse of they lost track of the, what they were the writing. purpose. Yeah. You're right. It began to focus on on Daniel on Daniel Jackson and his wife rather than the lost airman. I don't even know her name. We don't even know her name. It was mentioned maybe once. Maybe. Maybe not the whole name either. Yeah. Not, not a great deal. So, I mean, that, that, that's a clear uh, example. I mean, they didn't even finish the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'll go with the whole... Um, uh, maybe not this is the... Maybe this isn't the best um, corollary to it, but... The movie Taken with Liam Neeson. He finds all these girls that are, are trafficked and, and he finds his daughter's best friend completely dead. And and they don't talk about her after that. Like they get home. Everything's happy. Yeah. No, they, ne they never talk about the. The collateral <laughs> in any show. It's almost no possible. <laughs> it, was, it, it would be such a bummer for an ending of a movie, right? But I sat there. Going, what, but what about the best friend? What, what about her family? Like, <laughs> I've I've got a good one. This one might cause some controversy. All right. Well, we, that's how we want to end the night, right? With controversy. Deep Space Nine. Benjamin Sisko and his family. Hmm. Okay. Because we're dealing with an episode, we're dealing with a season that ended the series on its own terms. Yes. It wasn't canceled prematurely. But we see Sisko not unwittingly, but drawn to leave his family his pregnant wife and his adult son to go join the prophets to fight the paw wraiths. He left to go fight the paw wraiths. 
and he was rewarded for stopping them by being able to go join the prophets. Yeah. I would say that that is actually a very good entry, sir. Because that is not an honorable mention. You know, Avery Brooks was all about showing, you know, a strong African-American man. You know, a present parent. And he and I think this was talked about a little bit in the what you what we left behind or like the changes were made or like the scene where Cisco comes back and tells Cassidy he will come back because Avery Brooks was not having black man walking out on his family. I don't remember that part of the documentary, but it was probably there. Um, knowing Avery Brooks somewhere. Yeah. I, I found it weird that they chose to just have him leave. I didn't like that. I didn't like that part of DS nine. It was a great ending with him just leaving. I I didn't like that at all. I, it's like a Sam Beckett never can never went home again. Well, and then he comes to Cassidy and he's like, you know, Maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe last week. But he promises her he'll be back. And in the beta canon, he does come back about a year later, or nine months or whatever. He comes back and shows up in time for the birth of his daughter, and he actually helps resolve the parasite crisis. Oh, no way, really? <laughs> the, well, I from season that, one of TNG? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think I mentioned it before that according to the beta canon novels, is that the parasites turned out that they're like an offshoot of the Trill symbiotes. Yeah, you did mention that. That it, was a Which I thought ago, yeah. was a pretty interesting perspective. And it's it, a good perspective, yeah. yeah and they, they did a few... Uh, they, did, they, they, they did it in a couple of Deep Space Nine novels, culminating in this big event book called unity which was basically turns out that the the parasites had taken over shikar and it was putting in jeopardy bejor finally joining the federation and then all of a sudden there a new breakout of the parasites come and they're trying to get revenge on the trill they're trying to i think they're trying to use the orbs and as shit's starting to go sideways for the heroes of Deep Space Nine and the Federation, Cisco comes back and in, in, in just in time to use the power of the orbs and the power of the prophets to basically defeat the parasite attack. Huh. And he decides to stay. Um, well, I like that. Yeah, so they tied a lot of things together. The, the relaunch novels, some of them are really good, and they I thought they did a good, uh, excellent job of expanding the universe and building on them. Okay, uh, it, that's not a controversial thing because the loophole was that the show ended on its own terms. Right, but still... Cisco disappears, and we never know what happens. He comes back, 
And yeah. It goes counter to everything you know about both Benjamin Cisco and Avery Brooks. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, I think I think we're ending the near um, of this. I, I I mean, there there's probably a whole lot more out there that we haven't, you know, fathomed, which might res, you know resort to a, a a second passing on this. But how do you feel so far about this? I feel good in that I like you know, with the exception of maybe my stumbling through the Jon Snow one a little, because I know there are plot threads in Game of Thrones that I I just. I've lost track of that. I know that they had hanging, which bothered me. And I just, I thought I had a couple earlier and the COVID brain struck again. And I just missing it. But we, there definitely should be a second parter at some point, whether it's the immediate next episode or another one. I know there's more I mean, from Star Trek alone, but I know we talked about a few honorable mentions or incompletes ones that may get some resolution in future projects now that we're starting to see future projects in some of these areas. Yeah. I mean, Cisco disappearing, leaving his family and not, and leaving his pregnant wife goes completely against Cisco's character. Yes. He has to come back at some point. He absolutely does. Uh, I I do find that irritating as shit. Ugh. Man, I that that mention right there that kind of put me in a sour sour mood, thinking about it like that. I don't I don't like that because Cisco was anything but that. Right, and again, that's why they wrote the coda where he comes and tells Cassidy, "I will be back." So what bothers me <laughs> is we have not heard or seen anything about him being back. So I want to right. fucking would have been nice on screen. <clears throat> hey, if you can drag him into a I don't care if it's if they end up resolving on lower decks, if you can get Avery Brooks back. <laughs> resolve it. Cisco's got to come back for his kids. Don't be those guys. Uh huh. All right, you got any honorable mentions to toss out there real quick before we wrap this up? Just in Atlantis, where they had to um, chase a Wraith ship that was using a ZPM to get to Earth. <coughs> and um, so they they jumped, they used wormhole hyperspace to uh, beat the Wraith ship and, and fought it. But then they lost power and landed in the, uh, landed outside of San Francisco Bay. Hmm. And that was the end of their episode and the show, the series. That's an honorable mention. Um, well, Enterprise basically leaves on a little bit of a cliffhanger. The actual series itself, not these it, are the voyages. Yeah, where, yeah. Where Archer is trying to develop a coalition of planets where they've mm-hmm. got a half a dozen races despite the issues with terror crime coming and the Romulans are just hanging there in the background and everybody knows the Romulan war is coming. We just don't know when, right? That was like that. All that stuff was supposed to be like season four. So taking 
taking uh, uh, these are the voyages out of the out of the picture, you know, we're really left hanging on what happens to the enterprise, what happens to, you know, the. I mean, I right now I'm choosing to believe all the books I've read, Beta Canon, the Enterprise relaunch. It's much better than what we got. Yeah. <laughs> I just that's left hanging. You mean you go and you like leave the. You know, there's like three episodes where the Romulans are like trying to start a war between all the various races, and turns out that they're they're also behind the you know some of the shit on Vulcan, and that's that's it. That's all left hanging by the cancellation of Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That bothers me. Yeah, I uh, uh, Enterprise really got good, and then it, it just if it was it was less Moonves that canceled the show. That's the problem. It's the same less Moonves that greenlit Discovery and and want and had no idea the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Who also said? Who also input on what the Klingarks the Klingorks should look like now? So, um, what should the Klingons look like now? Well, uh, I mean, we saw in in the first season of Discovery of what Les Moonves said they should look like. Yeah, so, <laughs> an asshole. Yeah, which is but, why he canceled Enterprise, which got more ratings than any big primetime show nowadays. By the way. Yeah, I know. You know, here, here's what's what's, and, and I've mentioned this before. The only way for the Klingon, the Klingorks, to even have a chance of fitting in, canon-wise, is that the whole virus happens, and so much of the Klingon population goes from looking like our beloved movie and TNG, you know, our our uh, Berman era, I guess, Trek Klingons. Mm-hmm. Um, to the human-looking ones in uh, the original series is that you have a group of Klingons who are trying to, to rebuild the genetic engineering, and they went too far in the opposite direction. That, Created two of everything? Well, and, then, and yeah, and then now you've got the ridiculous uh, Klingworks, and they're trying to get back to the Worf style, and that it's <laughs> They went overboard. So getting back, the, that's like, it's like if you would split through the episode where the Vidians somehow split Balan into where human and Klingon halves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have the, the, the part of the Klingons that just they're your base humanoid, human package. And then you have like the, whatever the, the, full Klingon side, like the, you've got the extreme, right? And the, they went too far overboard and they had to do some more genetic earring to get it back to the wharf style. <sighs> That's the only way. It's a reach. It's a reach. I mean, I can take it, but aside from actually explaining it, the best thing they should do is just ignore what the hell they did and just move forward with Picard. 
Agreed. Like, you know, let Discovery die, which I want. I mean, is season five out? Like, it's coming out, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's coming in 23. Okay, let that happen. Um, Don't show Klingons in Strange New Worlds ever again at all. They didn't. They haven't so far. Show Klingons in Strange New Worlds. Nah, nah, nah. Because that creates a problem. That creates a that creates a continuity problem. Just don't. Just don't show Klingons there and move forward from there. Like they fucked up. They know what they did, and they have to live with it. Nope. Disagree. Gotta disagree. (laughs) Wipe the Klingons out and bring back the hell. I don't care if they have dudes who are with smooth foreheads and fucking bubble wrap fucking sashes like they had the original series. It would at least be, it would at least show you some continuity. And like, these are Klingons? Well, these these are the other Klingons, you know, the, the Klingons that took power and whatnot or whatever. I don't care. Discovery it's, doesn't it, care. It does uh, Well, I'm not, I'm never mind. I'm not mentioning Discovery, but modern Star Trek has a very hard time with continuity. <laughs> but Strange New Worlds at least mentioned the Klingons, so we know they're there. Yeah. And they did do an episode within an episode with the, the season finale, which I actually enjoyed. I liked it. Um, I found it to be an interesting take. Uh, mm-hmm. Not perfect. Not perfect. But we talked about it already. Yeah. But um, I don't think the people who hated it I still say her wrong because I thought that was a very Star Trekky kind of episode. It was Star Trekky because it re-examined it re-examined what made the Federation. But it, it was re-examined like the value of what, what Pike is versus what the versus the value of Kirk. Right. You know, it was it it, it had some hints of uh, tapestry. Yeah. Or if you change, absolutely, you have somebody else in or yesteryear in the in the in uh, the animated series where if Spock had died as a child, what had happened? And it was uh, they had to use the Guardian of Forever. It was a pretty good one. Um, I, I I didn't like the idea of them using the Guardian of the Forever. I know where they were going with that, but anything been, anything it, used it, anything it, used it, by it, Discovery. It only used it three times in fucking like seven hundred episodes. I, think I know. That, I know. I just I I just don't like them trying to, to trying to dwell on T TOS like original stuff. I, I just hate Discovery so freaking much. I whatever. It's nothing's going to be resolved by continuance conversation. So on that note, everybody, <laughs> let's leave it on a, a dangling uh, a plot thread, shall we? <laughs> Tune in next time where we go. Hey, what were we supposed to talk about again tonight? Yes, exactly. So <laughs> on that note, everybody. Be sure to follow us at Twitter uh, at those sci-fi guys and then email those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. Go to our website, uh, www.thosescifiguys.com. Until next time, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. And I won't leave you hanging because I'll see you on the high ground. We're going to give you up. We're going to...
Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information. 